Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Good morning. Oh, I feel better. I made a mistake before I ever got up here. That's a new record for me. Right after the first song, I'm supposed to come up and greet everyone. And I was just standing there in la-la land. But I'm, I'm thankful for a wife who will cover my mistakes. I tell you, I'm th- the only thing that would be greater is having a wife that covers your mistakes without announcing that she's covering <laughs> your mistakes. That, that would be really something there. <laughs> well, anyway, as uh, she said, next, starting next week, first Sunday of August, our church service will begin at 11 o'clock. Everyone say 11 o'clock. Tell everybody you know it starts at 11 o'clock, not 9 a.m. And uh, we're just, you know, we're trying things. Uh, Pray for for us, for wisdom, as we try to navigate through this, you know, crazy time. But we're we're hoping that 11 o'clock makes it a little bit easier for uh, some folks to to get out to church, especially families with with a lot of kids. You know, that's, that's challenging. What? I'm so thankful for a wife that just shares with me things I I ought to be doing, you know. I'm supposed to thank all of you for coming. Thank you. And I I do mean that. Thank you guys for showing up on Sunday morning. We hope this uh, starts to become as contagious as coronavirus. This, I just got to get to church, you know. We're hoping for that. But anyway, so 11 o'clock, two weeks from now, uh, we're honored Dave Reaver and his team are going to be in service with us. So I tell you what, they are always just such an incredible blessing. Uh, Pastor Todd and I last week had just the unbelievable privilege of traveling uh, almost 1,200 miles through Colorado with Dave Reaver and Dave and Kathy Wampler, uh, the couple that have worked with him for 30 years now, been his just his right arm. And uh, just seeing all of the things that they do and everything that they accomplish, it just makes you uh, amaze. How can a man who has been so horribly injured in the first place and in his 70s, how can he maintain the schedule that he maintains? It's just, uh, we can't, it's God. Uh, but all that they accomplish and <clears throat> for the kingdom of God, we want you to be here uh, that Sunday morning, especially as we're going we're going to honor them. It's uh, we're in the, Dave is celebrating his 50th year of ministry, and Dave and Kathy Wampler, who travel with him, 30 years. And we're just we want to honor them that Sunday morning with some uh, with some sp- special things, and just make it a point to be here. Uh, tell people that Dave Reaver is going to be here. There's a lot of people that have never heard his testimony. Uh, it's just a very powerful, moving uh, experience. Well, before I get into the Word this morning, I want to wanted to sing a song. I wanted to dedicate it. I'd like to dedicate it to my incredible wife. Yesterday, we celebrated 45 years of marriage. 
Can any of you imagine putting up with me for 45 years? I want to continue uh, this week and next week in my, uh, the series, The Invisible War. We've been looking at the three major enemies of our souls, which are our old sinful nature, the world around us, and Satan and his army of helpers. Uh, in the last message, we, we looked at that age-old question, why is life so hard? I, hopefully, we got that pretty well sorted out. Today, I want to talk about how to be faithful in a faithless world. I'm sure most of you are aware we are pretty much living in a faithless world and getting more faithless every day. Almost everything in this society tries to keep us from living by faith. In the 18th chapter of Luke, Jesus said this. He said, when I, the Son of Man, return, and how many of you think that's right around the corner? How many will I find on earth who are faithful? Jesus is asking this question. And the Bible tells us three things about the importance of faith in our life. The Bible tells us that God is looking for faithful people. God is actively taking the initiative to look for faithful people that he can bless. Who does God bless? Faithful people. If you wonder why God's blessing doesn't seem to be in your life, that's the first area of your life you ought to look at. Am I really being faithful to what God's Word says? 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. That's how God blesses us. He strengthens us. God is, He's, he's basically telling us that if we will make ourselves usable, he will use us. If, we'll, if we will make ourselves blessable, He will bless us. How do we become blessable? By being faithful to His Word. The second thing that the Bible tells us is that faithful people are apparently pretty hard to find and getting harder with each passing generation. People who trust God with all of their heart, soul, and mind and strength are becoming more and more rare. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, Many a man claims to have an unfailing love, but who can find a faithful man? In other words, a lot of people talk the talk, they just don't walk the walk. A lot of times people will put more trust in their jobs and in their credit cards than they do in God Himself. Psalm 53.2 says this. I'm going to give you a throw a lot of scripture at you this morning. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Faithful people are hard to find. God looks for people to bless, but he apparently has a tough time finding people who are making themselves blessable and who are living by faith. You know, his word says, narrow is the path that leads to heaven. So that tells us that a lot of people just aren't being faithful. They may have the head knowledge, they may not, but whatever the case is, it's becoming harder and harder for God to find blessable, faithful people. 
The third thing the Bible tells us about this is that faithfulness is the key to blessing and victory in life. How many of you really like blessing and victory in your life? Well, the Bible couldn't be more clear that faithfulness to God is the way to achieve that. The key to having victory over all of your problems in life is just being faithful to God. Does it mean you're not going to have problems? No, absolutely not. It's the key to overcoming your problems. It's not a ticket to, you know, Funville forever. John, 1 John 5, 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Who's going to defeat this evil world? Only children of God. How are they going to do it? Through their faith. Faith is how you're going to overcome your problems in life. It won't be by intelligence. It's not going to be uh, by how much money you have. It's not going to be uh, according to how creative you can be. Only by faith are you ever going to be able to overcome the trials of life. And this verse says that no matter what the world throws at us, we can have victory over it. Over it. And how many of you, you realize that the world is really throwing a lot at us? You've noticed that? Well, you're going to be glad you came to church today because as your pastor, I'm going to tell you, I doubt it's going to get better. I'm pretty sure until the Lord recomes, it's just going to get worse. Who's glad you came to church? Good. Well, we need to be prepared, right? Not caught off guard, but the good news is his promise is no matter what comes our way as faithful children of God, we will have victory over it. So we don't have to fear it. We don't have to sit around fretting, oh, what's going to happen to the world? I don't know. What if Trump doesn't get reelected? It's all weird. We're gone. I know it's easy to have those thoughts, but the truth is it, everything that takes place on a daily basis is just getting us one step closer to his return. So we don't have to be shocked or surprised. His word says this world we live in is going to become more ungodly, not more godly. But that doesn't mean we throw in the towel. That should mean we work as diligently as we can to make sure as many people as possible become faithful people of God. It's a, it's a job that has been given to each and every one of us. So Proverbs 28 20 says, a faithful man will be richly blessed. Is there anything you don't understand about that very complex verse? A faithful man is going to be blessed. Now, as your pastor, I always pray that God will bless your life. But in order for God's blessing to be fully upon you, you have to make yourself blessable. No one else can do that for you. And in the process of making yourself blessable, there's two really important things you need to know. One, you need, you need to learn in your life how God tests your faith. You, second thing, you need to learn how God grows your faith. Because a lot of times, these two processes uh, in the earthly human realm are not all that pleasant sometimes. Usually we grow through trials in life, not through the great times, not through the easy times. 
So this morning, I want us to look at six principles of faithfulness and how God uses these things in our lives to grow our faith so that he can bless us. Everybody raised their hand pretty much. We all like to be blessed by God. Well, we do it through our faith. Six principles of faithfulness in our life. Principle one is this. God uses little things to test your integrity. A lot of times we think it's the real big things in life that create leaders and create leadership. But really, I don't think that's true. Uh, the big problems in, real life, in our lives can reveal leadership qualities. I believe that. But leadership isn't really built on the big, huge things in life. It's really built on all the little things. That is where integrity usually shows up in that stuff that nobody else sees. It's in those small, unseen, kind of unspectacular moral choices that we make in life where you choose to do the right thing even though nobody else is probably going to know or see. God tests our integrity in lots of little things. Faithfulness requires integrity. In Luke 16.10, Jesus said this, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. You know, when you boil that all down, here's what it kind of means. Your public blessing is going to be determined by your private integrity. Have you noticed that almost every time a politician or, you know, just someone of a notoriety but I see it especially in politicians. Every time they get into some moral scandal, you'll hear defenders come to their uh, side and say, now look, we're not denying this happened, but, but it really shouldn't matter what someone chooses to do in their private life. Everybody heard that one? What a bunch of baloney. You know, this doesn't have a thing to do with him as a leader. According to God's word, it has everything to do with him as a leader. If a man's going to lie to his wife, you can absolutely believe he's going to lie to us. Your public blessing is a result of your private integrity that no one might ever see. And then verse 12, verse 12 goes on to say this. It says, and if you are faithful with people's things, I'm sorry, if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? This is kind of like the concept of apprenticeship. Before God gives you something, oftentimes he might loan it to you just to see how you'll handle it. For thousands of years of human existence, the way that people learned a job skill was to become an apprentice under someone. You know, if, if you were going to be a shoemaker, you became an apprentice under a shoemaker. If you were going to become a carpenter, you became a carpenter apprentice. And so on and so on. Blacksmith, blacksmith apprentice. Did you know that today, more than half of all new businesses fail in the first year? Did, did you know that statistic? More than half of all new businesses fail in the first year. Here's my theory. I think it's because people just run out and start things without having apprenticed under someone and really learning what on earth they're doing. 
how the, how the thing, how the business really works, how to really become successful. We need times of apprenticeship. Now, there's a whole lot of pastors out there today who are more qualified than me. I understand that. But I, I will say this to you. I, I, I feel like I did a fair share of apprentice time. Janet and I were high, or junior high Sunday school teachers for two years, and we lived through that. We were youth pastors for the next 13 years. I was a music pastor for 10 years, and then I was a, became here at, at C Teachers, became an associate, associate pastor for three and a half years. It was a long time before God actually put me in charge of church, especially. I believe, I'm sure he knew I needed extra training time. <laughs> he knows me. But God is saying that if, if you're not faithful with the small things in life, you're never going to be successful in the bigger things. You may not even get a shot at the bigger things. But I really think that the failure rate in our world is so high is because too many people want to go straight to the bigger things without having really learned a lot of the smaller things. Now, here's another thing. If someone loans you something, do you treat it as carefully as you would your own? If someone loans you a car or maybe a, even a house to stay in, do you treat it as well as your own or hopefully even better than your own? This is one trait my dad instilled in me. That when you're using something that belongs to someone else, you don't treat it like you would your own. You treat it better than you would your own. If you get it a little dirty, you clean it all up. Make it shinier than it was when they gave it to you to give it back. He just, man, he, he built that into me. I don't have to own something to enjoy it, but I should certainly take care of it like it's mine. God oftentimes will test you in your stewardship and integrity before he fully blesses you with your own. Principle two, God uses my talents to test my unselfishness. You've got to decide who or what you're going to live for in life. And it's really not a tough decision. There's only two choices, so it should be a pretty simple process. Deciding who or what you're going to live for in life. One, you can live for yourself. That's a selfish life. Or two, you can live for something greater than yourself. You can live for the kingdom of God. That's an unselfish life. You're either going to live for yourself or you're going to live for God, one of the, one of the two. It's not a complex thing. Uh, faithful people never live life for themselves. Faithful people always realize that God has given them these talents and these certain abilities to help others, not just themselves. And it is absolutely true, God has given each and every one of you various gifts or talents and abilities. There is nobody quite like you in the world. God custom designed you to serve him. And there's, only, there's really only one way to serve God. If you read through his word, we were all created to be witnesses for him. In other words, we were all created to serve him by serving others. 
faithful people realize that their talents and their abilities are not just for their own benefit. All those talents and abilities you have, God didn't give them to you for your benefit. I can only use myself as an example. God gave me the ability to speak in front of people. I'm not saying I do a wonderful, great job, but here I am, I'm in front of you and I'm speaking. So he has given me the ability to speak in front of people. And, and from what I have read, there's not a lot of people that even want that quality or that ability. There was a recent survey taken that pointed out that many people fear public speaking more than their death. The thought of public speaking scares them more than their own death. So if you follow that train of logic, it would say that when these people attend a funeral, they would rather be the person in the casket than the person delivering the eulogy. I'm glad you found that amusing, like, like me. God has given me this ability, not so much for my benefit, but rather to hopefully benefit those who are willing to get up and, and listen to the Sunday morning message. My gifts help you and your gifts help me. It goes both ways. We're all in this thing together. If I don't use my gifts, you get cheated. If you don't use your gifts, all of us get cheated. God has given you these talents and abilities so that you can serve others. You know, some of you have ability to fix things. You're good at mechanical things, or you're good at math. You're good at closing a deal, or you're good at music. You're good at organizing. You're good at kind of artful things. God has made all of us very, very different so that everything that needs to get done will get done. If all of us here in this room only had the talents and abilities that I have, I tell you what, there's a whole lot of stuff that would never get done. And the same is true for all of us, right? So all of your, all of your gifts, your talents, your abilities, they've been given to you as a, uh, as a stewardship thing. And God is watching to see if you're going to be faithful and use them effectively in his kingdom if you're going to be good stewards of the abilities that he's given you. If you use them effectively here on earth, he's probably going to give you even more gifts and even more blessing. That's the way his kingdom operates. Have you ever wondered why God created us and just stuck us on this faulty, faulty planet for 80 or 90 years in the first place? You know, why didn't he just create us and just whoosh, take us to heaven? You ever had that thought when things are going really, really bad? We're here because this life is, is really a test. It's a temporary assignment to see how much he can trust us with in eternity. If you're faithful to be a blessing to others, you know, right here on, on planet Earth, with the things he's given you, then he's going to give you even greater responsibilities in eternity. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to make lots of money and live well. Oh, that's not what it says, is it? That's just how most people interpret it. Use them well to serve one another. 
Whatever you use wisely, God will generally give you more of it. What you don't use wisely, generally, he takes it away from you. And that's true of your talents, abilities, as well as finances. You know, when, when you boil everything in God's word down to, to major themes, now this is gospel according to Doug. You can take this or leave it. This is my opinion. There really are only two major themes in the entire Bible. You might want to argue with me. I don't want to argue about it. This is just my opinion, okay? Two major themes that literally run from cover to cover in God's Word. The first theme is the theme of salvation. Learning to trust Jesus for forgiveness and receiving His salvation. The second theme is stewardship. Those are the two major themes. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with what God has given me? Salvation and stewardship. I'm telling you, it's the two main themes that run through the entire Bible. You can believe that God is looking at both of these things in your life. The third principle is this. God uses trials to teach me persistence. This is the one that's true, but it's the one that everyone hates. God uses trials to teach me persistence. It's great to have persistence, but learning persistence is usually a rough road. One of the big differences between faithful people and unfaithful people is that unfaithful people usually give up at the first sign of difficulty. That's the big difference. Faithful people are determined. Faithful people are persistent. There's an old saying that said, a giant oak tree is really nothing more than a little acorn that refused to give up. Now here's another truth that we all need to understand. You are never a failure until you quit. No matter how rough things are going, you're never a failure until you decide to quit. And we have all failed in life at different things. What that means is we decided to quit. But you'll never be a failure in life if you refuse to quit. God uses these tough times to test our persistence. If you're going through some tough times today, here is a great promise of God that, you know, you just need to put into memory. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. I want us all to say that together. For our present troubles are small. Because a lot of times we think they're gigantic, right? Just look this up and God's word tells you no matter how big you think it is, it's really small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And that is a great promise from God, isn't it? Another truth is this. God is a lot more interested in who you are than what you do. He's more interested in what you are becoming than what you have been or what is happening to you right now. A lot of times God allows troubles and problems into our lives to teach us and build us character within us. Whatever the problem is, it's just a simple test of faith. 
Will you continue to serve and trust God even when life gets tough? Hello? Let me know who that is. I might need to preach directly at them. If you're going through a tough time right now, and I'm going to fill you in on some inside information, most people are. If you're going through a tough time right now, then write down this verse and memorize it. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know, how many of you have watched Forrest Gump? Everybody's seen Forrest Gump. You know, at one point, he gets a, he gets a shrimp boat. That's my boat. He's out there in his shrimp boat when a big storm blows in and all the other boats, they decide to go in. And during the course of this storm, all of the boats that went in and docked are just smashed to smithereens. And only Forrest Gump's boat survived because he was out there doing what you're supposed to do with a fishing boat, catching shrimp. You know, Calvary Temple, we were created to fish, right? Jesus said, I will make you what? Fishers of men. The question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we doing what God created us to do? Are we sharing Jesus with others? That's what we were created to do. Principle four, God uses shortages to test our generosity. Faithful people are generous even when they really don't have it to give. Now follow me on this. Anybody can be generous when they've got a lot. When you have a surplus of whatever, it's easy to be generous. I can be generous with my time if I've got a lot of extra time. I can be generous with my money if I've got some extra money. It's when we don't have a surplus, but we still decide to share with others, that really shows our level of faithfulness. These things are always a test, and God is always, he's just simply asking, will you be faithful and trust me. You probably get tired of hearing this, uh, but God talks about this subject more than any other topic in the Bible, the topic of money. And I think that the number one acid test of our faith in God is what we do with our money. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Because people tend to spend more time thinking about money making money, worrying about money, investing money, saving money. More thought goes into financial things than probably any other area of our life. If God can't trust us with material wealth in this world, he's never going to be able to trust us with the riches of heaven. This life is a test. You know, money management, that's not just somebody's good idea that somebody came up with. This is principles in God's word. Staying out of debt, investing wisely, giving generously. These things aren't just a good idea. They're principles from God. And they become a test in our life. You know, as your pastor, I absolutely pray for God's blessing on your finances. Because I believe faithful people will tithe as God has instructed them. I want God to just give you a ton of money. 
so that we can accomplish even more as a church in the kingdom of God. That's absolutely true. I don't, I don't mind telling you that. But it's going to require more than me just wanting it or praying it for you. It's going to require you being faithful with what God has given you. If you want to be blessed in your finances, you have to make yourself blessable. I'm, I'm praying for your financial success, believe me. Not just so you can live nicer, but it's so all of us can be in a position to help others in even greater ways. Thereby, God blesses in even greater ways. I want to give you five quick principles for getting through tough financial times. One, God gives to generous people. We've already mentioned that. God simply says, the more generous you are, the more generous I am with you. Secondly, obeying God's vision brings provision. If you'll do what God asks you to do, he will always provide the resources for you. Thirdly, when I do all that God tells me to do, he does what I can't do. The story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that's a perfect example of this principle. Out of all those ordinary, uh, everyday people, only this one little kid offered all of his food. He had five biscuits and two pieces of fish. He gave it all. Jesus took it, blessed it, and multiplied it. And when it was over, there were how many basketfuls left? Twelve. When you give all you've got, God will always multiply it and bless you. Fourth, when I have a need, I sow a seed. The point is this, whatever you have need of, give it away. If you need more energy, try giving away some energy by helping someone out. If you need more time, try giving your time to someone. If you need more money, give some away. Can you imagine if farmers thought, you know, I've heard there's a recession coming. I think I better just keep all of my seed in the barn and not take a risk of planting them. That wouldn't work out very well, would it? You've got to plant it if you want to prosper from it. Whatever you need in life, sow that as seed and God says it will come back to you. He promises that in his word. Number five, there's always a delay between sowing and reaping. And it's the delay where God loses most people. Well, I did all this, I gave up all this, and I didn't get jack squat. I'm done with this. I'm just keeping it all for myself. That's oh, the worst attitude you can cop. There's always a delay between sowing and reaping. If I plant a kernel of corn today, tomorrow I am not going to have a corn stalk, right? There's always a season between planting and harvesting. There's always a time of delay, and the time delay is the test of your faith. That's where the testing comes in. That's where the level of faithfulness comes in. God wants to see if, if you'll see things to the end. In between sowing and reaping, there is always a season of growing, right? It's true in the physical world and it's true in the spiritual world. Between the time you sow and the time you reap is a time of growing. So all of this brings us to the fifth principle of faithfulness, and that is faithful people 
bring friends to Jesus. I want to say that again. Faithful people bring friends to Jesus. Because the truth is, faithful people share their faith. We're here to share, be generous. Faithful people share that faith. Are you a faithful person? If so, when is the last time you shared your faith? Or at the very least, just invited someone to church? If faithful people share their faith, then what is the opposite of that? Anyone? If faithful people share their faith, then if we don't share our faith, we are unfaithful. I mean, the opposite, you have to take the good with the bad, right? If we prove ourselves faithful by sharing our faith, then the opposite must also be true, or it would contradict each other. Unfaithful people don't share their faith. If we are faithful, we're going to bring friends to Christ. There is the great story that demonstrates this principle in Matthew. These four guys had a friend who was very much paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He couldn't get to Jesus. So what did they do? They brought him to Jesus. I mean, they cut a hole in that roof. They lowered him down. And Jesus told the paralytic, said, take your mat and go home. The guy was instantly healed. You remember that story? The question of that story, though, it really is this. Whose faith caused the lame man to walk? Was it the faith of the lame man himself or was it the faith of his friends? It was, in fact, the faith of his friends. You say, Pastor Doug, how can you prove that? Let me read it to you. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, how many of you know the word there is plural? If he was referring to the guy laying on the mat, it would have said when Jesus saw his faith. But no mention of the guy laying on the mat. It says when Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, we all have friends who are paralyzed in one way or another, and they can't get, seem to get to Jesus. We all have them, right? They need us to bring them to Jesus. Jesus not only blesses the person in need, but he blesses the people who bring them to him. If you'll bring your friends to Jesus, God says that's the kind of person he's looking for. If you'll be faithful and bring your friends to Jesus, he won't, or you won't believe what he is going to do in your life, in your finances, in your health, your marriage, your family. He's going to do some incredible things if you'll just be faithful and do what you're supposed to be doing. He will bless your socks off because nothing excites, excites God more than Bringing people to Jesus. It's at the top of the heap. And the last principle, the sixth principle is this. Faithful people build the faith of others. I believe that everyone in life needs a Paul and, and a Timothy. What that means is this. We all need someone who can be a spiritual coach to us and we all need someone that we can be a spiritual coach to. You need to be mentoring someone in the faith who isn't quite as far along as you. 
And maybe you've only been a Christian for a month, a week. You're still a couple steps ahead of the guy who hasn't accepted Jesus at all. Start to mentor someone that you just bring to Christ. You don't need to be a hundred steps ahead of the person in order to help them. Because first of all, if you're a hundred steps ahead of them, they probably can't even see you anyway. If they can, they probably can't fully relate to you. All you need to be is one step ahead of them. That's it. One step ahead. Just be their friend. Share with them what God is teaching you. And he will begin to just bless you in ways you can't imagine. Nothing pleases God more than your concern for his children. And here's something to remember. Your life doesn't have to be perfect before you can be a mentor to someone. If that was true, how many mentors would we have in this world? Zero. We'd have none if we had to be perfect first. God uses us in spite of our failings. In fact, he always has a way of turning our failures into success stories if we turn to him and we don't give up, right? None of our failures turn into success stories if we give up. But I mean, who can better relate to someone who's having marital problems than someone who went through some marital problems, but God guided them through it and brought them victory? Who can better relate to someone who's had to file bankruptcy than someone who's been through it? God steered and directed them through that and gave them victory. Or who's struggling with addiction? God has a great way of turning our failures in life into success stories. If we turn to Him, we don't give up, and we allow Him to help us help others. Everybody wants to be blessed by God, but the big question is this, and I close with this thought. Everyone wants to be blessed by God, but the question is, who wants to be faithful to God? Because that's the key, amen? Stand with me this morning. And join us in prayer. As If you're here or you're watching online and you know that you want to make things right in your life with Jesus Christ. You want to get on that path of faithfulness. Say, there's no better time to start than right now. Pray this prayer with me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead and sit at the right hand of the Father. Come into my life and give me guidance and direction. Help me build faithfulness from this day forward. In, the, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.